welcome back. Today, we're, we're going to talk about the pandemic a little bit, um, but we're going to talk about the pandemic as it relates to another issue, another problem. Right. Um, and, and we're right. just recording this on the last day of the first month. This is January 31st, and um, that first month went. It went by. So I was out the other night, Friday night, and somebody asked about the podcast. People know people who asked, what about the podcast? And I said, I don't know. I'm not sure what we're going to talk about on Sunday. I said, I have a couple of ideas. And Dr. Bernie and I have been talking about this and that and the other thing. And they said, why don't you say something about New Year's resolutions? And I thought, why in the world would we talk about New Year's resolutions? We talked about those every year. And it occurred to me, this is a new Jan this is a new year. It's January of 2021. I haven't even thought about resolutions. Right. I, it, it, we talk about resolutions every year. Mm -hmm. Every January, we talk about resolutions. And and she said, Well, it is January. <laughs> I thought, dang, you're right. And here we are, it's the end of January. Yeah. And it did uh, so I guess I'm a little bit lost in space somewhere. You're, you're absolutely right. I was just thinking about, as you were telling the story, I was thinking about, we haven't, we didn't talk about it this year because there were so many other things right. that, you know, we've, we've talked about and maybe, maybe that'll have to be our first podcast for February. You know, it's like did, did you do last year's, year. what happened to last year's resolutions, right? Um, they, I mean, they were pandemic. Um, I guess we could have a verb, you know, I was pandemic and I don't know even what happened with last year's resolutions, you know, because typically we'll say, hey, we're halfway through the year. If you haven't done your resolutions yet, you know, let's talk about that. No, I forgot all about it. And I forgot that it's a new year. It's a new, new set of resolutions that none of us, maybe none of us made. Well, I was going to say, I don't, I don't think that, um, I, I wouldn't think that there were very, very many people who accomplished their new year's resolutions in 2020. Um, and the only resolution this year is, let's get through it you know let's somehow get don't, this get, don't get sick that's yeah it. i mean yeah stay healthy i mean geez has a whole new meaning now um but i also have to tell you that well no we're, we'll, we'll save that for later but anyway yes uh january of a new year and here we are at the end of january yep another um, month blew by it, it is it, it is the end of january and, and as i said we're going to talk about the pandemic, but we're not going to talk about it the way that we've talked about it before. Um, we're going to talk about it from the perspective of some other um, unexpected and maybe even not really talked about very much consequences uh, that we've seen. We, we've kind of skirted it just a little bit in the past when we've talked about, you know, kids staying home and, and you know, families staying at home more, they're inside more often, they're not able to go out with their friends and spend time with others, there's limited activities that we can do. Um, but, you know, um, over the last couple of weeks, we've heard a lot about video games, um, primarily because of the whole uh, stock market situation with GameStop and all. Uh, that's not what we're talking about. This is, I, I would not know where to begin to talk about uh, right. that because every, still every time I hear hedge funds, I just imagine like, you know, hedges outside with money on it. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> But um, so that's what they mean by a money tree, right? With I get it now. I never. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So, um, but the uh, you know what we're going to talk about is that because kids are home so much more, because mm -hmm. they are 
sort of restricted from so many activities, what we're finding is that they're spending a lot more time on video games. Exactly. Yeah. Um, gaming, but the problem with video games didn't start with the pandemic. Right. The pandemic has has some has added um, to the problem. Right. And the other little bit of a shock is gaming has been around for half a century. Yeah. It's been around for 50 years, you know, Pac-Man and Tetris yeah. and all those. Started with consoles and then moved to computers and now we do it on little devices that we can walk around with. We do it on all so, kinds of things now, yeah. Right. Gaming's been around for 50 years. And um, but studies about its harmful effects are still in its early stages. There's a growing literature on the benefits and the and the pitfalls, the advantages and disadvantages of video games. But it, we, we really haven't come to any firm conclusions. But in the meantime, there is this um, increasing concern of when does, when does being online become an addiction? And there are many parents who say, well, my daughter's addicted to her phone. My son is addicted to video games. And we use that word addiction um, in general parlance. Uh, we say, well, she's addicted to her phone. But there's a clinical Right. definition of addiction that, that also has to be met. And, um, and we need to be careful about that. However, in 2018, and so this is the year before the pandemic, um, the World Health Organization added gaming disorder mm -hmm. as a diagnosis. Right. Uh, the World Health Organization has a, has a manual called the International Classification of Diseases, mm -hmm. ICD. It's in its 11th edition. And in that 11th edition, which was published in 2018, gaming disorder is listed as one as a condition. Yeah, I, I think that it's important to, to say that, um, you know, concerns about video games are, are nowhere close to being new. I mean, exactly. remember back in, um, in the 90s, um, mm -hmm. you know, well, the big one, of course, was, was Columbine, you know, after the, the Columbine um, massacre, shootings and everything happened. Um, we heard a lot about video games and right. other forms of media, music and, and movies and TV and stuff like that as being contributing factors to these boys' um, aggression and, and violence. Um, the game then was Doom, I think it was, that they were um, very um, into and they played a lot. Um, so, but, but video game concerns about video games have been around for a very long time. Right. And, and yes, you know, for, for almost a decade now, I think they've talked about video game addiction. Um, and, and some of us were kind of surprised that back in 2013, when the, you know, DSM-5 came out, a little bit surprised that it wasn't included, not because we wanted it to be included, but because there was so much discussion about video game addiction that we thought that, you know, they're, they're going to include it in there, but though they didn't. Right, but the study group did consider putting it in. Right. And they have teams away from the future editions right. of the DSM. Right. Yeah. So that so it was discussed in 2013. Right. Um, they decided not to include it. Um, I think that's a probably a conservative approach, um, right. which is typical. But um, the World Health Organization, five years later, the World Health Organization said, "Yes, I think we should include it." Mm -hmm. What will happen with the next edition of of the DSM? We don't know. But at least for now. It's not listed as a condition, but um, it does have um, criteria. There, there are criteria that need to be met. Do you remember the 
Philip, and I can, man, I wish I would have thought of it before we started the podcast so I could look up which episode it was. We interviewed a, a gentleman from um, Europe who runs a, or no, not Europe, he's in, over in Asia, um, East Asia, and he runs a, um, a substance abuse addiction clinic. Yes. Um, <laughs> and they, they address those issues. They have a, a unit for video game or electronic addiction. Um, and ta he talked about parents coming and dropping their kids off for, um, you know, for treatment for video games. He talks, you know, yeah. from from electronics. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He's in a he's in the mountains of some right. country in Asia. Um, yeah, I can't remember. I wanted to say I forget what country, country. but yeah, they put those kids in. It's almost like a boot camp. Mm -hmm. um, out mm -hmm. in the middle of, of, of a jungle, essentially. They, they do kickboxing or tri triathlons and stuff like that. So they have to choose one of those two physical. Right. Uh, they, they do yoga and all kinds of things. Yeah, it's, it sounds mm -hmm. like a wonderful program. Right. So there are people, and he's from England originally. He's from the UK. Mm -hmm. And he, he emigrated to somewhere in East Asia and set up this program there. Mm -hmm. um, so... When we talk, so what we have to be careful about is that we don't pathologize what's normal behavior. Okay, um, so when we talk about um, when we talk about an addiction, whether it's DSM or World Health Organization, um, we're talking about um, exaggerated or in, more intensive um, approaches, thinking about the games. So if you're so when 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 parents wonder if they should be worried or not. Mm -hmm. And they say, you know, my, my, I see this happening. And again, with the pandemic, video game use has increased probably by 60, 60 or 60%, 65% uh, increase in video games since then. But even before the, before the pandemic, um, there are eight or nine criteria or, or criteria that need to be met. Things like, um, using gaming to ease bad moods. You know, you're, you're kind of self-medicating, you're almost using it as a drug, okay? Um, lying to people, again, that's a common characteristic in addiction is that, no, I don't drink that much, or uh, lying to yourself or lying to others about, um, about, about your use. Um, playing despite your problems. One of the things that we know about is there has to be some impairment um, in order to make a diagnosis. So you have a problem, you're ignoring school and ignoring family and ignoring relationships, but you're playing despite, your life is falling apart, but you're still playing video games, okay? Um, and so there are these other criteria that need to be met, but they're the, they're the things that we typically associate with addiction. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think that, um, you know, and we've talked about video game addiction and the, our concerns with that terminology before in, in previous podcasts. And, and, just to reiterate one important concern is that you know lots of kids who play video games will exhibit those behaviors those symptoms right. they, they will you know um you know you, you'll see those kids whose parents take away their consoles and the kids will go into their parents room when they're not home and and sneak it out and play it when they're not there and so you know kids who um inappropriately use their parents credit cards to buy games um you know so it's in essence stealing um, um so we see kids do those things but that doesn't necessarily equate to an addiction so you, you have to still be careful because you know richard how many times have you heard a parent say well um i only he keeps going on and on about playing video games um 
And so I have to just take it away from him and then he can't have it at all. And then we ask, well, what do you, what do you want him to do other than play video games? And they say, well, you know, he's got a, he can watch TV or he can read a book or he, you know, yes, kids, especially teenagers have to find a way to entertain themselves. Right. Um, but when you, when their opportunity to entertain themselves is so restricted, mm-hmm. why wouldn't they just want to play video games? I mean, video games are very stimulating, um, you know, especially if you're playing online with friends so they can talk to friends and stuff like that. Um, it's very engaging. Why wouldn't they prefer that over sitting quietly in their room or, um, you know, watching a, a television program that they're probably not that interested in either. And I'm not right. sure quite what the difference is between watching TV and playing a video game um, yeah. from a engagement perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, you know, it, it's really important that we think about and, and, and even homework. Um, you, you mentioned that, you know, if kids aren't, are preferring to choosing to play video games over doing their homework, you know, it's really hard to find which kid wouldn't choose video games over homework. Um, so, you know, especially when we don't really, when we haven't over the past couple of decades, anyways, we haven't done a really good job of teaching and instilling in kids the value of school. Um, kids go to school because that's where they're supposed to go. And we tell them that, um, that's what you're supposed to do. Um, it doesn't mean that they want to, and it doesn't mean that they, that they want to do the work. And so would they prefer video games over homework? Why wouldn't they? Right. Mm-hmm. So still, we, even with some of these symptoms, we have to be careful before we start filling out the idea of an addiction uh, to video games. That's right. Because in, in the serious studies that have been done, um, the, the addiction to video game would only affect somewhere between one and nine percent of all gamers. So we're talking about a single digit percentage of gamers who are that we would consider addicted yes. to the games. Um, is it a compelling interest? Yes. Is it a, an intense interest? Yes. But we have to be careful about about taking that step to an, is, is it an addiction because we're right. using addiction in that clinical sense. Are they spending too much time in it? Perhaps. Is that an addiction? Perhaps not. Right. Yeah. The other question is: Is it is it a problem? Yeah, mm-hmm. Sure, it's a problem. If they're playing video games instead of doing homework, yes, that's a problem. It doesn't right. mean it's an addiction. It just means it's a problem. It, um, we, we I used this example before, but you know, I have students that I've worked with who preferred reading over doing homework. Right. They would, they would yeah. much rather sit and read their novel than they mm-hmm. would do their homework. So, is that a reading addiction? Right. I wouldn't say that it was a read. Nobody would say it was a reading addiction. They would say, oh, it's great that she's reading. Um, (laughs) Right. But she's doing, has these same exact symptoms, but they're for reading instead of video games. So Mm -hmm. if we're going to use the word addiction for video games, we should use the word addiction for reading as well in those situations. That's right. And it it doesn't matter what it is. And and we're going to, you know, um, but addiction must there has to be some impairment associated with it and that's really the issue um you talk about um parents will want to say well let we want to take away video games well you you can't just take away video games you you have to maybe limit their use or you have to replace it with something else you can't can't say to a child a, a child or a teenager you can't play video games anymore and just leave them stranded on a desert island it has to be and that, that's what many of the recommendations 
or what can you do instead of? Because right. you have to replace it with something. It's like it's like when you ask a person to stop drinking. It's really difficult to stop drinking, but if you can replace it with something else, which is what most of the health experts are saying now, okay, you, you're going to stop drinking. What are you going to replace it with? Is it going to be exercise or right? Same thing with stopping smoking, right? Right. Um, right people who smoke they say i have to do something with my hands because they're mm -hmm. used to holding the cigarette or whatever right. um, and so they have to find a replacement behavior and so kids aren't going to be good at that by themselves no no they have to be they have to be shown they have to be Most adults aren't good at that right right and so now we have so we have this potential problem even before we got to the pandemic but now we're at the pandemic and we've seen a dramatic increase in uh, time spent playing video games. Um, um, and so even at the start of the pandemic, I, and I didn't know this, 64% of adults play video games, regularly play, regularly play video games. Right. Um, I hadn't thought about it because I'm the generation that missed video games I'm before, uh, what would that call? BVG, before video games. And so I was an adult when, when they first came out. Um, but I'm always shocked when my young patients, even teenagers will say, oh yeah, well, my dad was playing video games or my dad plays video. And I think, wait a minute, he's an adult, but he's an adult who played video games as a kid, right. you know, because now it is 50 years old. Um, and so 64% of adults and 70% of those under 18 play video games. So the overwhelming majority of adults and kids are playing video games. Um, on a regular basis. On a regular basis, that's right. This is an important part of the life. Uh, I've had um, mothers and wives come in complaining about their husband's um, time on video games, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the excess time on video games. So it's not just a complaint about kids, it's also a complaint that adults are making about each other. Okay, so what happened with the pandemic? Well, suddenly, I mean, everything went wrong all at one time. Suddenly you had kids who were A, out of school. Right. Last spring, every kid was at home instead of being in school. When they're in school, it's hard to play video games. Not impossible, but hard. Um, when they're at home, it's easy. Mm -hmm. Second, they were confined. They weren't allowed to do anything else. Playgrounds were closed, schools were closed, stores were closed, malls were closed. Kids didn't have anything else to do. And so they were stuck inside and they were about all they had to do was go on electronics. Um, and then you had this issue of online schooling. And, and this has been an interesting phenomenon for me. Right. When kids went online, they were on their devices all day long. Right. And the line between using them for school and using them for play suddenly got it wasn't only blurred, it disappeared. Yeah, yeah. Um, you had to use YouTube videos for school. You had to use computers, you had to get online, you had to use the internet. Once you're in there, yeah. um, how, do you, how do you stop it? I mean, you, you can't, right? Those devices were on all day long and kids were in YouTube and they were in Snap, they were in everything. Um, and it would be virtually impossible unless you were sitting right beside the child to say, you know, you're, you couldn't watch, you couldn't monitor. Right. And, and you know, and the, the other massive issue with it is that, you know, as soon as the pandemic hit and schools closed and, and everybody had to stay home, it, it got to the point where video gaming, for the most part, was really the only way that students could keep in touch with each other. 
And that was the other, that was their social interaction. That, that was it. That's the only option that they had because they couldn't, right. we weren't allowing them to go out and see other people. And so mm -hmm. everything was restricted basically to either social media or, or ch you know, chatting while playing games and things like that. And so that was all they had. Mm -hmm. That's right. And, and it became, I mean, I, I see plenty of people, um, adults and children, who say the only interaction I have right now is online. Um, you know, we're not, we're, we're closed down. We're not going anywhere. My parents want us to stay inside and be safe. And the only, the only interaction I have now is electronically. It's just, um, you know, online interactions. Right. Absolutely. And so it, at least you have that. So there is a positive in all of this, right. but yes, there is kids are spending more time than usual on video games. Right. And so it's not surprising that most parents the vast majority of parents are really concerned about how much their parent, their, their kids are spending online, how much right. time that they're spending on their devices. Mm -hmm. um, you know, again, those kids who are still um, e-learners, those students who are still, right. home, you know, mm -hmm. they're still spending a lot of time. Um, you know, a good majority of kids are, are back to school, at least in our area, uh, which mm -hmm. is good. Um, but it's a higher percentage than ever that are still homeschooled. Um, right. So, um, yeah, they're still spending a lot of time online. And That's right. And, to, and the studies have been done and show that 85% of parents are expressing this concern. So, um, and half of them, and, and, but this is an interesting number here, half of that 85% admitted that their children's screen time exceeded six hours a day. Screen time and video games there might be some overlap, but there might not be some overlap. So we have to be careful about six hours of screen time versus how much time is spent playing video games. Exactly, because they could be doing other things, video, video games, but also YouTube and Netflix and things like that. And, and I do wonder how much, time, how much of that time is related to homework, because right. you know, um, if, if they're doing virtual school, they're gonna spend a lot of time on their, on their devices. That's right. Some kids are on, I mean, literally, if you take online schooling seriously in some districts, you have to have your computer on all the time and you have to be tuning into classes. You have to be clicking that you're present. Okay. So your computer has to be on all day long. Yeah. So that's seven and, a half uh, and if you get, when, when I got bored in school, I would just think about other things. When these kids get bored in school, they switch to another tab and they play a little video game mm -hmm. while they're kind of regenerate some enthusiasm. And so um, th there's nothing really different about it. It's just a different medium. Right. Um, instead of looking out the window and watching the birds and the squirrels, they're playing video games. Absolutely. Um, now, the, so the important issue is, when does normal behavior become pathological? And I think that's the key issue here. Because as you, as you said a minute ago, any, any behavior, can become addictive. Um, right. You know, there are people shopping. No, we say she's addicted. She's she's a shopaholic. Right. Well, and, and I think that the challenge in my mind is differentiating between obsessiveness and addiction. True. Right. We can obsessively play, we can obsessively shop, we can obsessively read. Um, you know, we, we could have an obsession to that extent. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's an addiction. Uh, an addiction is a, a very different thing. And so 
Um, so yeah, this, this idea of when does it shift from typical expected normal behavior right. um, to an addiction or, or some other pathology, you know, that, that's, a, that's an important um, difference to make. Um, right, when you were growing up, because there's only a few years difference between you and me, so we had, this, we had a similar experience. What did your mother worry about? I mean, you did your homework, but what was the what was the thing that took you out of your homework? Took you away from your homework? Playing outside. Being Playing outside, outside. right? Playing sport. You know, being involved in athletics. You know that you had a game and didn't get home. And you had a little league game, didn't get home until eight thirty or nine o'clock, and then you had to do homework. It was playing outside. My parents were always dragging me back into the house to do my homework because I was outside. I would rather be outside. We didn't have video games, right. um, but that was our that was our obsession was being outside, and that yeah. got in the way of homework. Right. Okay. Yeah. And we had we had video games, and I remember my neighbor was um, he was very into video games. Like we we liked to go over there every once in a while because um, he was the first person that I knew that had like dozens of video games, like, mm -hmm. like um, specific games for either the Nintendo or the Sega or whatever we were playing at the time. Right. Um, and he had tons of them. And so we'd go over there every once in a while, but, uh, but our interest was much more into playing outside sports and right. you know, more physical things. Right. But any behavior there is, whether it's shopping, playing outside, um, we have people who are in relationships and parents say, he's addicted to this person. Right. Okay, because that's where he's spending all of his time. He's either with her, texting with her, talking to her. His entire day is absorbed by this person. Or people are addicted to food or people are addicted to um, uh, Diet Coke. You know, it, it doesn't, you can, you can have an obsession about anything. The question is, when does it become an addiction? And for that, we have to rely on the criteria in manuals like the International Classification of Diseases or DSM. Right. Okay? So if we look at the criteria for the ICD-9, the World Health Organization, they talk about addiction as being a persistent pattern. Um, and there are three main criteria and three sort of additional criteria. The three main criteria are you have impaired control over gaming. That is the gaming controls you and you've lost control of it. Mm -hmm. okay. The second one is you have increasing priority given to gaming over other activities. Mm -hmm. So for those um, children and teenagers who are doing gaming and they're not doing anything else, that, that may be a signal that something's wrong. And then the other thing is a con an escalation of gaming despite the consequences. So you have a kid who's failing in school, but he's spending more and more time playing video games, okay? So you have these three conditions that the World Health Organization wants to be, have met. If your child is doing well in school and is pleasant to parents and siblings and playing video games, maybe there isn't a problem, okay? Right. You know, and I think it's, um, you know, this is maybe, a place where um, where we have to differentiate too between between the parents' perception right. and what's really happening. Right. Because mm -hmm. yes, the um, you may have a kid who's like you know 
constantly trying to get back to the game, constantly trying to get back to the game. Um, and so that may seem as impaired control over the gaming. Um, and it may be that, you know, you, um, you know, you've taken the games away because, you know, so they had this negative consequence. And then while you're at work and they get home from school and they're home alone, they're sneaking into your room and taking the game out and they're playing it. So it's a continuation of gaming despite um, the negative consequences. So, you know, suddenly we're ticking off a couple of these, these criteria. Um, but again, we get back to like what we talked about earlier, what else is he supposed to be doing? What else is going on? And, and is he um, pushing to play this game or pushing to, to do this because it's a, an intrinsic addiction-driven persistence? Or is it because I don't have anything else to do? I really, obsessiveness, you know, I really want to get to the next level. I really want to get to the next piece. And we can't just assume that from watching the kid's behavior. That's um, right. It's not like alcohol in that sense, um, because um, for, for a variety of reasons. Um, so, so, so it's different um, when we're trying to evaluate that into, from someone else's behavior. It's, it becomes very challenging to do that. Right. And, and so what, what we're left with is these criteria that we have to have some sort of impairment. Now, if, what do I mean by that? If you have a child who's playing video games and they're getting um, soft and chubby and you know they're not exercising and they're living an unhealthy life or they're not associating with family or they're giving up their homework or they're not going, I have a guy who stopped, stopped going to his job, a, a teenager, stopped going to his part-time job so that he could spend time with his girlfriend. That's, that, that's, that's problematic, okay? Right. When you're giving up other things to do this one thing, now, we're, now it's becoming a problem. And I think that that's a good, a good um, first step it is looking at, has it created a change in behavior? Mm -hmm. You know, if, if he's always been like that with video games, that's one thing. Right. If, if he was very social and he, you know, he was interacting with other people, he was playing outside, and all of a sudden, you know, we got him a, um, an Xbox and now he is not going outside. He's not talking with any of the people that he used to be friends with. He, he won't even stop to eat. You know, now, now we're seeing those issues. Okay, right. now, now we're getting into a different, different set of issues. Right, right. And also it has to be persistent. You know, that's the other thing. It's not a, it, it has to be going on for, for addictions. It has to be going for months. Okay, this is a persistent pattern of behavior. Um, and for, for many kids, it only became persistent with the pandemic. So now we're dealing with pandemic effects and maybe not true addiction, okay? So with the World Health Organization, there are pretty strict criteria to make the diagnosis. According to DSM-5, because that's how, we're, that's how we psychologists look at impairment, um, there's three things. You have to have five or more of the criteria that are listed. Um, it has to last at least a year um, in the last year. It has to happen in the last year. Five or more of these things had to occur in the last year. However, the last year is the pandemic year. And right. so again, we need to be careful because it's not a typical year. And just like with World Health Organization, it has to cause some type of impairment, mm -hmm. okay? So the, the criteria we've listed are 
Number one, there's a preoccupation with gaming. And when it's taken away, you have withdrawal symptoms, okay? So there's this obsessive preoccupation with gaming. And Second, it's than, a, And it's more than just being angry that your parents took your game away. Right, right. This is, yeah, we're talking about real withdrawal here. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, tolerance, you have to spend more, and you, you notice this gradual increase mm -hmm. in games. If, if a student was playing video games for three hours a day in March of 2020, and is paying four hours in March of 2021, it's probably not a problem because they're not, obviously there's no tolerance building up here, okay? So the third is the inability to reduce playing. You know, you, you, you want the child to sort of reduce his time and they, they, they simply can't give it up. Um, giving up other activities, we talked about that with, with uh, World Health Organization. When you give up everything else to play video games, uh, you're probably getting close to a problem. And similarly, if you have a loss of interest in previous activities, you know, we have plenty of, we see plenty of teenagers who were involved in athletics and they were doing well in school and suddenly all of that is given up and they're, they're playing more and more and more of their time is being spent playing video games. Um, the others continuing to play despite encountering these problems, uh, deceiving family members, lying, okay? Um, and then using gaming to um, feel better, which is a form of self-medication, okay? So there are these criteria, there are these um, sort of uh, signals that maybe, thing, maybe things are getting out of hand and right. that perhaps you should take action. Action comes in, the, in two forms. One are the things that families can do on their own. Right. And then there's another set that maybe you need to consult with a professional. Right. Yeah, I think that, um, yeah, so, so we can give you some, got some strategies for mm -hmm. what to do at home uh, with your family. Um, and if these things don't work, you know, maybe seek some professional, yeah. um, not necessarily an addiction specialist. It doesn't have to be an addiction specialist. It could be right. someone who right. works with, you know, is familiar with working with um, children and adolescents. Right. Um, and, and the important thing is you get some perspective. Okay. It doesn't, and you're absolutely right it doesn't have to be an addiction because we're not sure we're dealing with an addiction okay but maybe all we need is some perspective well no your child is probably this is probably normal uh normal pandemic behavior you know it's not an addiction right right so so when you think about things that you can do at home you know we we had a uh, um we've talked about this before on the podcast but um we've talked about the 168 hour rule right mm -hmm. there's 168 hours in a week and right. so Keeping track of the, your kids' gaming time, how much time are they actually spending playing? You, you can go through this process to, to help see if they're spending so much time on their gaming that mm -hmm. it's interfering with these other activities. And so you go through the 168 hours and you start subtracting out how much time you sleep and how much time you're at school and how much time you're doing all the necessary things that you have to be doing. And you look at what, how much time is left um, after hobbies and other obligations right. um, and how much of that time is spent gaming. If the vast majority of that time is spent gaming, it, might, it could be a problem. And so you want to be able to talk about that with your kid and, and maybe fill up some of that time with other things that they could be doing. Mm -hmm. Yep. The other thing you can do is take a digital holiday. This is a hard sell, okay? A lot of kids don't, but some kids need to detox. Okay, 
this is not going to be easy to do. They're First going to rebel. And so you need to be careful. If you're interested in doing that, you may want to consult with somebody first because that's hard. That's cold turkey. And right. That, you're going to get some resistance. And, so and be it is important to make sure that you prepare for that by mm -hmm. having other things to do. Don't right. just say, okay, we're not, we're, we're detoxing from all electronics, no TV, no video games, no computers, right. nothing like that. Okay, just sit at home and, you know, go find something to do in your room. They're going to have a really difficult time with that. Right. Yeah, you better, you better prepare, prepare carefully if you plan to detox. Right. right. Okay. Um, spend time on other activities. Uh, if you're going to detox, what are you going to replace it with? What are the other activities that you're going to use? Uh, the other thing you can do is rebalance healthy habits. Um, how's their eating? How's their sleeping? Because typically kids who are obsessive with video games, um, they're, they're not eating well, they're eating haphazardly and they're snacking. Um, they, they don't want to leave the game. And so they grab whatever's available. And usually right. that's processed foods, um, which are bad for, for people anyway. They're Second, they're, sac they're not I'm exercising. Sorry? Yeah. They, they, they don't exercise. Right. Know. And they're uh, not sleeping well. So they're, <laughs> they're giving up sleep. Most of them are sacrificing sleep. That's, that's the biggest issue here. And so there are these eating, sleeping and exercise that you should be mindful of anyway. I mean, those are the things that we should be doing as parents and they take time and they have to be monitored. If your child is only getting five or six hours of sleep a night and he or she is younger than 18, they're sleep deprived, okay? So your obligation as a parent is to reestablish uh, healthy, healthy sleep patterns. Okay? Um, you could consider a harm reduction plan. A harm reduction plan is a tip, it's, it's used for addictions generally. Um, and so um, if you're interested in that, you can look at harm reduction plan and it'll guide you through steps you can take to reduce the, the negative aspects of any kind of an addiction, okay? Or, and then you could, there are support groups. Right. Um, not surprisingly, online gamers anonymous, um, and so are the, there are support groups that if if you're a parent and you're con or a, or a spouse, and you're concerned about excess video game use, you can go to the online gamers anonymous website. And there's helpful tips there. Absolutely. Okay. Now, we're going to post a couple of other links. Um, one from the Child Mind Institute and one from Read Help that kind of gives you some other strategies and other things to to look at as far as how much time kids spend online and, and video right. games and things like that. And they're, they're, they specifically take into consideration the pandemic. So, right. um, you know, you can check out those websites for some more information as well. Right, yeah, and those are reputable places. They're sort of, um, they, they're reputable. They're not gonna sell you anything. They're not gonna um, ask you for anything, that, but they do provide really um, useful tips if uh, you're interested. The um, I think the Read Health website also talks about, um, I think they include um, how much time is appropriate at each age level. And right. so that's another useful thing for parents. When, that, when you're looking for a guide about how much time is appropriate, um, I think the Read Health one talks about that. Absolutely, so, so you can check those out. And again, if, if none of those strategies are very helpful, or if you're really struggling with any of those, if you're not sure how to implement any of those, um, it might be a good idea to talk to a professional. Um, yeah. just a, a, a mental health professional, that, especially one that specializes in children and adolescents or, mm -hmm. um, or couples, if you're dealing with a spouse that's having these issues, um, you know, talking, talking with those types of uh, professionals can be very helpful, so. Right, yeah, so you're, I mean, you're gonna get some pushback. 
Um, kids love these games. They are interesting. They are fun. Some people say they are built to be addictive. That may or may not, that may be true. But the issue is if, if you're trying some of these things and you're getting too much pushback, you may want to consult with a professional just to come up with the strategies that you need to transition to, um, to spending less time on electronics, okay? It's not, it's not easy to do. I mean, the, this, these, these last two generations love their electronics. Um, they've grown up with them. It's part, of what, it's part of their life. And so we need to be careful when we start asking them to change some of these behaviors. Absolutely. And be careful. cautiously. Right. And be careful that we don't jump to um, addiction. As yeah, you, you have an addiction and I have to take it away. Mm -hmm. Be careful. Yeah, just think mm -hmm. about it first. So. Yeah. All right. Okay. That is, that is it then for today. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid.